Oh, Canada. As long as we don't do that. Welcome to Fits with a Founder. I'm your founder, Nick. Woo! I'm I'm not the founder. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> that was weird. Cassie is excited, apparently. Cassie had a really good lunch today, had some really good sushi. I'm in a great mood. I was gonna say, really good lunch. Wow. Sushi. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Pete's. I, I oh, did I not I didn't know I liked no sushi. No one's gonna know that. Really? I I know I, I have not had sushi. I'm a vegetarian, which I say all the time. And so in my head I was like, sushi is like fish, and I don't really eat fish. I found out there's vegetarian options. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I love so, it. So me being a fat guy trying to not be a fat guy. One of the things I'll try to do is like vegetarian, like I love sushi and I'll eat normal sushi, but I'll do it with like brown rice, but I love mm, it. It's good. Beats so does a good job good. for people that don't know. It's a great supermarket here. Yeah. I, I think it might be national. I don't know. Maybe whatever. Yeah, I have no idea. But it's, yeah, I'm in like a perky mood because I ate really well and I'm happy. I did not get to lunch today. I have eaten probably eight sticks of this Telemuk Country Smoker Zero Sugar Sausage. We really need to start getting ad revenue for this shit. Yeah. If you're going to call it out by name. They're actually pretty good. I mean, they're supposed to be, I don't know, I got a dietitian that helps me. I need probably three of them. But uh, yeah, they say it's good. I don't know. I liked it. That's what I ate for lunch. Good protein. I'm always in a good mood, though. Is, I guess is sometimes I guess sometimes told that I'm not, but that's just I'm still happy. I just sometimes have to say bad things. Just hate the people you're talking to. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, that's, that's what I get angry sometimes. Well, there's a, a whole bunch of reasons to be in a good mood right now if you're in the club champion universe. Yeah, I mean, all the anticipated launches are coming to fruition now. And I mean, we got Stealth in the stores. We got Cobra LTDX in the stores. We got Callaway Rogue ST in the stores. We got Mizuno's new uh, driver in the stores. I mean, we are are loading it up. Oh, it's crazy. Like the whole wall basically flipped overnight, essentially. Yeah. And I know everybody out there has been waiting and they are out there and they are ready to be hit. So get in and get your fit. Really cool stuff. Like, I mean, the stealth, obviously people are intrigued by with the whole carbon face. And honestly, it's not the newest concept. I mean, it's been around, but I do think they've now revolutionized that concept and there's something to it and it's worth a swing in the bay. And then, you know, one of the other sleeper, I, I, maybe I shouldn't call it sleeper. That's bad to say about a Cobra driver because I like Cobra drivers oh, yeah. and they've been good. But this new LTDX, because for golfers that may know a little bit more about equipment, they had an LTD a couple of years ago. It had this cool like spaceport in it and it was a really good driver. It had some issues from a design standpoint of durability and whatnot and they would recognize that and call it out. But they took that idea that it was so good and tried to make it even better. And I mean, they have, it's, I'm, that's one, you know, it's really good. And then, you know, I don't know if you've been watching some of the Phil videos and things out there with the new Rogue. Yeah. That thing's pretty nice too. So, I mean, there's going to be some great options, exciting things to get people in. You know, let's see if we can beat some equipment out there. Oh, we absolutely will. We, I mean, that's our entire social media conversation right now is, do you have this in stores? Do you have this in stores? The answer is finally, yes, we have it all, everything that you want. We probably have it. So, come in and get fit. <laughs> what are some other social media conversations you've been having this week? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> He's trying, you're trying to ruin my sushi. I'm baiting her, I'm baiting her. My sushi-induced good mood. I'm you're just trying. Um, okay, so great news. Yep. Club Champion acquired uh, Tour Experience Golf, otherwise known as TXG, the Canadian Club Fitters. Okay, so let's just stop right there so we don't confuse anybody and the trolls don't come out too fast, okay? Because I'm going <laughs> to beat them down. 
And I did not get on with my 15 different burners and roast a bunch of them. I did not do that. So kudos to Nick for taking the high road. <laughs> high road Nicky is what they're going to call me. But so for everybody out there to understand, we want to internationally get club champion out there. We want to bring club fitting to the international world. And for most golfers in the States, they're very um, over- you know, we have a ton of options for people here. Oh, yeah. I mean, just not club champion. I mean, there's a lot of places you can get fit. You go anywhere else in the world, it's very boutique-y. Like, you do not see club fitting. It yep. is not as important. It has not been marketed. It has not. The world of club fitting is very bleak outside of the United States. It's it's entry level. It's 20 years behind. It's 15 years behind. Right. So we see an opportunity to get club champion and get people, you know, out there. And so COVID's made it semi-difficult for us to try to maybe go out there and, and do it ourselves. So we started getting a better idea. And it was probably the idea we should have had two years ago. But we we started this year with having this idea. What if we went to like-minded folks, people that did business just like us? And I know there's going to be the trolls coming. Oh, they're way different than you. They're not, folks. They We may talk different. We may say something a little different. But at the end of the day, the results are what the results are. For sure. And so we went and you're going to see other announcements coming down the road. So that's, you know, hint, hint. There's more of these coming. But we've known Ian for, you know, God, I think I've known Ian for 15 years. And so he's built a nice little business for himself and reputation and a whole thing. And, you know, he wants to grow, right. but I wanted to grow. I ha- I've had club champion for 24 years, 23 years, whatever it is now, but it, you only see 2010 because that's when it became club champion. Before that, it was EJL custom golf. And so, you know, I took a deal where I could get the resources I needed. I could get the capital I needed to keep growing my dream. And that's what we did is can we go to like-minded folks like ourselves and give them these resources to grow their dream? And that's what we're doing for TXG. So people come in, they're like, club champion's going to ruin this, do that, blah, 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 blah. Not true. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not how it's going to happen. So, you know, he's going to run that Canadian market, you know, what club champion is in the States and make sure we're giving an elite experience, elite fitting and selling clubs that perform on the golf course. Yeah. I would, I would challenge anybody who thinks that club champion is going to ruin TXG to take a step back and wonder why Ian would go about it. Like, yeah, money is for sure a thing, but Ian is sticking around. So if he thought we were going to ruin his business, he wouldn't have done this. Well, here's the other part I like, and this is maybe given away too much, you know, too high of a level of business, but I'm an honest guy and I like to shoot straight. So guys, their business is a very nice business, but it is a very small business. Mm -hmm. They have two smaller locations in the Toronto area, basically, and they have their YouTube channel. It's not like they're this multinational, huge conglomerate and that, you know, Ian got very, very, very rich. He got exactly, he got a very good amount of money for his business, but he also has the carrot to stay and grow that business. It is a perfect partnership. It's something I did, you know, with this business, EJL Custom Golf that turned into club champion 14 years ago. And, you know, Ian's going to still have full control. We're going to help him, obviously. We're going right. to give him guidance. We're going to help. We've obviously, we've been hit by the bus is what I like to call it. We've <laughs> tried and failed. So, and we've tried and failed and tried and failed till we tried and succeeded. And we were obviously succeeding very well. So we're going to help him be able to get to where he wanted to be way quicker. I saw people like, oh, they're going to make you go to TrackMan. I don't no, care whether yeah. he uses a foresight or a TrackMan as long as he delivers a great fitting experience. Right. And gets the golfer playing better golf. Because the reality of it, and we can go around and around We'll probably do that on one episode. They're not any different, folks. Right. Although we could get in a forum and argue about that for 14 rounds, couldn't we? And people do. Yeah, people do. (laughs) People do. And I would win that argument because you know what I would do is I would bring scientists to it. Yeah, this is so my my issue because obviously I have to see all of the negativity because just the function of my job being director of marketing, I see everything that comes through. And there's always going to be a naysayer about anything that happens. It's just the nature of the business. And some people would write it off and say, oh, well, those people weren't going to be club champion customers anyway. First of all, a lot of those people were club champion customers. They they just don't 
don't understand the nature of what we're trying to do for TXG. And this is also probably too high level to really be talking about publicly, but I don't really care. So one of the things that we can kind of help them out with just from my standpoint is, you know, we put out a press release, right? We said Club Champion acquires TXG, da, da, da. One of the things that you put in a press release is a boilerplate, which is just a paragraph that talks about your business. Ian and his team have never put out a press release. They did not have a boilerplate. They've never done radio ads. They've never done TV ads. Like they're, to a certain extent, you don't necessarily need to advertise a business that has a six month waiting list. But on the other side of it is if you want to grow a business and you want a brand to have more recognition beyond its brick and mortar, you have to do those things. And yeah, those- and we're going to give them, we're going to help them grow that capacity so that they can meet the demand. Right. And that's the whole point. And so my final little dime drop I'll give is, you know, there was a certain person that did decided not to be a part of the new team. Club Champion had nothing to do with that. He had an existing contract with TXG and TXG. They worked it out themselves and we were supportive of whatever they wanted yeah. to do. So uh, the people that said Club Champion had something to do with that, Club Champion had absolutely nothing to do with that. That was a decision made by the TXG team that was going to happen regardless of Club Champion came or not. For sure. Yeah. So anyway, it, we're very excited about it. Like I said, these these uh, Ian and his team, Mike and them, they do a great job. They're awesome. They're awesome. And I'm excited to see what Canada could do. Yeah. Oh, Canada. As long as we don't do that. There's great. I mean, there's so many golfers up there. You know what? We're going to have to answer, help them, is answer all the lefty questions. We're going to maybe have to have a lefty pod with Ian or something. Love that, actually. That's a (laughs) a really good idea. And we have a couple lefties here that can help demonstrate things. Um, Okay, so we know we all all the new demos, the TXG news is out there in the open. Um, Let's switch to some tour news. So, I mean, not a ton going on just because it is still early season, but Hideki out there coming from behind to win. That shot was unbelievable. And then I saw some stuff dad after that like he's won three times in 18 months mm-hmm. or, but before that he hadn't won in like 93 starts or he had zero wins and 93 starts and yeah. then wins he's on fire and I mean listen he's I mean that was an unbelievable shot yeah 277 that was yards. like an old school tiger shot kind of yeah yeah like long towering what if it, it was a fading shot yep. like I mean that was something like you would expect tiger to you know pull off back in the day it was incredible yeah and it makes sense why he basically overcome a five shot lead to take the win yeah. so there's that um we also okay Grayson Murray and Kevin Na for those of you who don't know or are not on Twitter you don't do the tweeting yeah. um, they, had, they had a little beef they had a yeah. little beef going on um, and so okay everybody knows that Kevin Na is like notorious for slow play I don't think that's news to anybody who watches the PGA Tour I think we all know that that's what that bro does like it is what it is so there was, just to give context for this, there was a journalist who basically tweeted something like, Kevin Na walking in putts does not get old because that's what Kevin Na does. And Murray, in his infinite wisdom, decided to tweet, Na taking three minutes to putt them does get old, though. Which, like, okay, shots fired. I, I Okay, so as a bystander, and I think you just got it a little bit on some of the stuff we deal with with the, the online trolling. I'm a fan. I, listen, <laughs> you're not going to hurt my feelings so um, because I, I I can go to bed at night knowing the exact truth and what goes into it. I'm not going to sit there and act like this. I thought they both took great shots. Uh, Kevin Na probably bodied him more than Grayson was expecting to get bodied. Yeah, Na um, responded with, you missing the cut is getting old. Damn. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Yikes. it was, uh, it was, there were some punches thrown there. I, you know what, in the world of what, what was, we just talked about this on the other pod. What, what are they calling the, the PIP program or yeah, whatever? Yeah, the player impact program. Yep. Kind of like it. I also like it, but to be fair, I, 
like Kevin Nas always struck me as kind of a wet noodle. So for him to go back that hard on Twitter. Agreed. And I Didn't thought expect it, it to happen. No, and I kind of loved it. But yeah. I, at first I was like, oh, it's just like good natured ribbing. Like, you know, Phil and, and Justin no, would do. Like it was not. Other. No, yeah. no, no, no. It was not. Because Murray hit back again and it was just like pissy. And I was just like, oh, God, you guys be adults, please. I thought it was a pretty good fight, though. I, I was a fan. No one ever thought Kevin Nas and Twitter beef were going to be in the same sentence. But here we are. Yeah. 2022. And he owned it. He did. Um, what else? Oh, okay. So our producer Danny is a big fan of Air Jordan, so he's really excited about the Air Jordan. So golf I didn't shoe. even know this. So like, here's here's my story with Jordan golf shoes. I think they're all completely like I want them badly, Ugh. but I don't know how to get them because I'm not the guy that I my schedule does not allow me to sit at a computer and keep pushing refresh <laughs> and go. And so, and I'm also not the guy that wants to spend two times the price on like there was some website somebody showed me once. What was it called like StockX? I don't even know what that is. And I was like, oh my God, this is where you buy all the shoes, but I had like four times the price yep. of launch. And Resale. I'm like, which if you're a hardcore shoe person, I could get, I can understand paying the multiple, but I, 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 although I think that the Jordan, it would like a lot of the Jordan golf shoes I've seen, I'm like, yeah, I want those. Mm. I'm not willing to pay four times because it's just not my thing. Now yeah. I get it for other people, but if I could get a golf shoe more at like the retail level with the Jordan kind of thing. Now these are like the Jordan one, like more like, what do you call them? Danny, what do you call them? Like a flat top or what would you call the style? High top. High top or yeah. whatever. Eh, they're cool. Not my style. But if they start doing this with some of the other stuff that they're doing, could be cool. I, okay, so I am more of a shoe person, I think, than you are. I am pretty brand loyal only with apparel. Just making that clear to Puma and Cobra. So I'm always about my Puma golf shoes. And I took a look at these Air Jordans, these low Gs, and like, fuck, no. Yeah. <laughs> not I, into it. Yeah, they weren't, they're not my style. I think they are a lot of people's style. I'm more of like, you know, some of their other launches they've come out in the past. But <laughs> again, I have to see, because I do need, as a big guy, I do need to make sure the shoe is walkable too. Sure. And so that's always the question mark too, but They're $140 retail, and there's people in Korea that are already reselling them for $530. Yeah. That's outrageous. Oh, any of the Jordan stuff, man. It is amazing what his brand can do. Outrageous. I, I can't. Good for him. I, right? I mean, Nike, because they're the ones that are yeah, I, Like I said, I don't blame anybody that goes out and buys a $600 shoe. You know, I don't, I'm not going to do it, but I, I get it. Like I was look. I'm a big Air Max guy. So yeah. for people that if you walked around the office with me, if I need to go do something formal, I will put on dress shoes. But my day-to-day -day shoe is going to be an Air Max. So I'm always trying to pick up Air Max shoes and they always have cool drops and stuff they do on that. And again, if I'm not like fast enough, they don't do like Jordan, like they don't sell it as fast Jordan. So I have a chance. Yeah. But it, when I see that with the go up for after the fact. I was just looking at some weird like camo one that they came out with and I missed it. And now it's like if I want a pair, it's 350 bucks. I'm like, no, it's not happening. God, no, I can't. I can't justify it. Yeah. I just can't. And I have I have affordable golf shoes that I like a lot more anyway. So it is what it is. Um, so the only other thing that I saw on tour, it was actually for the LPGA this week. So they're changing some of their rules. So basically the, the long and short of it is non-members who finish in the top 10 at a tournament can then play the following week, which was not the case before. They basically had a couple exemption spots for, for members who qualify, but now non-members can have, basically they can ride a hot streak. Yeah, really you can ride a hot streak. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Cause yeah. like young, like younger women are gonna have more opportunities especially if they have just like a really, really good stretch. I kind of like that across any tour. I think PGA has a similar rule. It's not quite verbatim yeah. what that is. Um, but I just, I feel like if you're performing really well, you should be rewarded for that. And that's kind of what this is. No, I mean, we want to see the best play. I mean, the idea of a tour should be to always have 
the best players out there. 100%. So if you got somebody riding hot, and that's the beauty of golf, right? That's what keeps us all coming back. We could be tour players. <laughs> could we? I could be. <laughs> I could not. Yes, you could. <laughs> In your head. Maybe. Maybe one day the stars will align and you'll have this unbelievable. I've had those days where, like, you know, it's been a while now, but I've had those days where I shot under par or whatever, and I'm like, man, I could have competed today. Ooh. So I guess my point is that we're, I'm making a far stretch and a little bit of a joke, but there are, like, when you think of the talent pool and how deep it is out there, there's going to be these people that maybe don't make it. Maybe they do make it in the long run, maybe they don't, but if you can ride their hot streak, it's going to make for some entertaining golf. For sure, for sure. And, and you don't want to miss out on it. Yeah, and especially the younger talent, like, you want to be introduced to new talent, which is yeah. what this is going to help. So that's awesome. Um, okay, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Jeremy Stone, the VP of Golf Ball Marketing at Titleist, and he's going to tell us what's up over there with the world's number one golf ball. So we're joined with our guest, Jeremy Stone, the VP of Golf Ball Marketing at Titleist. Jeremy, thanks for having uh, being on our show. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. So you've been in you've been in this Titleist world for 12 years, but before that, you had some other interesting things. I mean, before we get into golf balls, and it, golf balls isn't something we get to talk about a ton, I feel like, because we just have so much to say on other pieces of equipment in the bag, but it's definitely an important piece. But before we jump in and start talking about golf balls and how Titleist approaches golf balls and being the number one golf ball out there, give us a little background on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um like most folks, uh, you know, I've kind of always wanted to get myself into the game. Uh, and again, like most folks in this line of work, I found out at a certain point that the playing the game was not going to be my path forward in the game of golf. And I found it earlier than most. Um, but I had a fun little path. Dad introduced me to the game, had a passion for it, loved to play, um, played Division three college golf at Carnegie Mellon University and had a really neat moment there where a graduate school professor connected me to a project at Apple. And I went out, I worked at Apple for six months on the project with the professor and parlayed that into a full-time job. Moved out to the West Coast, lived in San Francisco, spent four years working at Apple during an unbelievable period of time. Um, Within six months of being there, they launched the very first iPhone. And then right before I left to join Titleist, we were working on prototype iPads that hadn't been released to the public yet. So I had this, this super cool run. Um, and then I always knew in the back of my head that, hey, look, I really like tech. I think it's fascinating. And just the, the nature of the growth and the nature of kind of the unbridled enthusiasm for it is so cool. But I love golf. Golf is a passion for me. And when I had an opportunity with Titleist, I had to chase it. And so I uh, took a role back here at Fairhaven HQ, um, did a couple of jobs across categories, doing some market research, doing some international advertising, spent the last six years working on the Vokey brand and just rejoined golf balls about a year ago. So it's been a, a winding road, uh, but one that's just kind of been a, a passion pursuit for me. Yeah, that's that's a pretty windy road. I mean, you're drawing lines from I, the original uh, iPhone to golf balls to international marketing. I mean, you've kind of been all over. That's a cool story. Uh, I mean, listen, what what brought you to Titleist? Was it I mean, was it the job or did you did you have a connection with Titleist before as a golfer? Um, well, uh, you know, to be honest, I think we all have a connection to Titleist in some way, shape or form somewhere we're introduced to the brand and it's either this aspirational brand or it's a part of our, you know, searching for golf balls in the woods. And when you found the Titleist, you made sure to pocket it because you knew it was going to be the best ball in golf, whatever that may be. Um, for me, when I was at Apple, um, when I played the game in college, I'd always played a Titleist golf ball. And I always knew that if I could get into the golf industry, particularly coming from where I was, I was going to be very 
call it picky in, in where I wanted to end up. And so I was looking at different job boards and a role became available at Titleist. And so I just threw my hat in the ring. And I, honestly, I didn't get the first job I applied for at Titleist. I went through the interview process, got to the final round, and they gave me the kind of age old, hey, we'll keep your resume on file, but thanks, you were a finalist, but we went with someone else. And it was really just disheartening and a bummer, um, but they meant it. They actually kept my resume on file. I got a call six months later and they said, hey, we think we have a job just for you. And it was a market research analyst role um, at Fairhaven HQ. And so, like you said, it, you never know how these things are going to work out. I'm a big believer in right time, right place and work your tail off to earn it. And some combination tends to work out. And I've just been fortunate along the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, 12 years and you've worked right, you know, you've gone up and you've helped grow Titleist. And, you know, I always think it's interesting. And I think golfers have fun, some of the naysayers out there, but, you know, Titleist has always been known as the number one ball in golf. And I mean, I guess I'm curious, I'm sure, you know, other, you know, that you hear the commercial, you see the commercial. What do you think, like, what is Titleist's culture? What is Titleist's think process? Like, what do you, why are they the number one ball in golf? Why do you think they continue to stay the number one ball in golf? Yeah. Um, there's an elegance to the simplicity of how we approach our business. And I know there's a lot of products out there. We have a, a growing golf ball product line to fit every golfer. You know, we're doubling down on our fitting methodology, but fundamentally at its core, uh, what I think makes Titleist unique is our founding was based on a golfer who missed a putt. And he was a guy, his name was Phil Young, and he missed a putt. And like many of us, anytime you miss a putt, it's never your fault, right? Um, well, Phil Young was right. He missed a putt. He convinced his playing partner to go x-ray the golf ball at a local hospital here in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And it turned out he was right. The core of the golf ball wasn't centered. And that's why he missed the putt. And that to this very day, that founding principle of making sure if you make the best product, the performance will be superior, that every golfer should have their best swing rewarded is just this elegantly simple mission that we chase to this very day. And I think that whether you're meeting someone who's in ball plant three here in New Bedford, or whether you're working with our R&D associates or the operations folks, everyone kind of still has that spirit that Phil Young had, which is I'm here for the golfer. I'm dedicated to this. And you know, I joke all the time with some of the folks in our QA lab in particular. I said, you guys are a little bit fanatical about what you do. And they are, and they love it. And they have this unbelievable passion that I think <clears throat> sets them apart. It's not to say others aren't great engineers. You know, we have healthy respect for all of our competitors in this space, but we have this rich heritage that is really elegant in its simplicity. And I find great companies so often just have a really clear mission for being. And I think that's one thing that defines Titleist really well. I mean, for my 20 some years in the golf industry, I think what I think it is the simplicity that makes it tick too. It's, uh, you know, you're not chasing every little thing that you, you know, you see other, you know, and it's no knock on those brands. You can do that, but it gets confusing to the consumer. It gets confusing to the fitters we have in the field because there's just so much going on and you've kept it pretty, you know, we're going to talk about fitting here in a minute, but you know, you still keep the fitting side of it. This golf balls for this person, we're going to do it really well. This golf balls for this person, we're going to do it really well and not just be changing it up all the time and chasing different, you know, profiles. And, you know, it's, it's nice for us and it's an easy explanation for us when we're fitting golfers. Um, and I agree with that. And then I think from a quality standpoint, that's a great point is you guys have always hit it from that quality standpoint. It was quality was just going to be just as important as anything else. And, you know, not to say other golf balls don't have quality to your point, but I think you guys are founded on that principle. You've never wavered from it and, that I've ever seen in the 
20 some years. So yeah, I think golfers can feel like every time they buy a Titleist golf ball that they're getting a premium product, no matter what the price of the golf ball is. Yeah. And I'll give you a great example. One that we pride ourselves on is the idea that you know, there's no cutting corners and, and take any product in our portfolio top to bottom. Every Titleist golf ball has a unique dimple pattern, whether it's Pro V1 and Pro V1X to distinguish the flight characteristics of those two golf balls all the way through the line to velocity and true feel. Every golf ball has a unique dimple pattern because our research engineers would tell you that every piece of the puzzle, every piece of construction plays out to deliver superior performance. And so whether it's a true field golf ball, velocity golf ball, all the way to Pro V1, you need a unique dimple pattern that complements the construction to make sure you're delivering on that specific moment. So everywhere we compete, it's going to make sure that we're best in class. And, and I think the dimple pattern is feels like a small detail that is absolutely never overlooked. And it just kind of is the most visible aspect of the golf ball that every golfer can look at and go, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And hot, hold them up side by side and you'll see the difference. Yeah. I think that so, attention to detail helps you guys be number one though. So that's stuff that a normal golfer wouldn't think about or just your average everyday, you know, Joe Schmell wouldn't think about, but that's why you guys are touted as the number one because you go to that level. Yeah, it's exactly right. The focal point of every detail, uh, there's no detail too small and it doesn't matter the price point to the golf ball. We go through the same exercise, the same processes, the same quality checks, and the same performance-minded mindset for that dedicated golfer in that audience. Well, and I always joke, I go, How, you don't hear very many golfers, like they come out of the woods and they go, man, I found a TaylorMade, I found a MaxFly. But you know when they walk out of the woods, they'll tell you about the Pro V1 they found. I mean, that's just a testament to how many people think that you make a great product and, and know you make a great product, which why, why they want to play it, whether they want to you know, necessarily invest in playing it all the time or not. That's that's what, you know, a job of a fitter and hopefully your marketing department to get them to understand it's worth it. But they want to play it because they, they know the quality of it's going to be great. So turning, turning a little bit uh, to club champion and Titleist, you know, we've been great partners for, for quite some years now. And, you know, one of the things we love about Titleist is, you know, across the board, whether it's golf ball or club, you're always going to get it's just the top of the line product that's going to perform. And, and we're not going to, you're not going to try to chase product launches and all those types of things all the time. You're going to do your thing and do it right. And, but I think you guys branched off into something that really helped us and, and it's going to ultimately as a fitting uh, place and, and ultimately going to help the consumer, which is creating this golf ball, the RCT golf ball, um, you know, with TrackMan in order to create a golf ball, a fitting golf ball that helps fitters indoors get really accurate readings for their fitting. And some of the backstory before you, I let Jeremy talk about it is for our listeners is that, you know, when you used to come in before, TrackMan's going to pick up a lot of stuff and, and, and you could use any golf ball in TrackMan. But if you really want to be accurate, we would put these little foil dots in the balls and it would just ensure that we didn't get any misreads. Now, it, they had other ways of calling out misreads and we could take those out of the data, but then we lose a shot and it was an extra swing and it wasn't as good. So, you know, TrackMan had come to us for a while and said, Hey, we're, we're developing a premium golf ball for fitting and for simulator use with Titleist. Would you help us with it? And so we went down this and I didn't really know what to expect, but man, you guys created a great durable golf ball that performs like a pro V feels like a pro V and does not miss a shot indoors. And it just translates so well to the fitting. Yeah, that was the vision, right? Radar capture technology was designed, you know, absolutely with a precision fit intent. And you're, you nailed it when you said, hey, look, there were solutions to capture the accurate data. Uh, but as you identified, as TrackMan identified, they, they weren't perfect. And, and really, for us to get engaged and involved with this, it goes back to that founding story. Phil Young, 
Um, we never wanted a golfer's best swing to be missed. And when we talk to fitters, when we talk to your team locally here, actually, I went and spent some time with your team in Needham. And it was fun. They were like, yeah, it always seems like the golfer's best swing is the one that we just miss for some reason. And that stinks. I mean, that's just the worst as a golfer. So we got engaged. We got involved. Um, and, and our North Star was crystal clear. We weren't going to make a golf ball just for this environment. It had to be a golf ball that you could take out on the golf course and play so that when you got fit for it, you knew when you went from indoors to outdoors, which I know, Nick, you guys spend so much time making sure that a golfer's game translates from your fitting bay out onto the golf course. We needed to make sure that was true. And the best validation of that is when we went to the USGA and RNA and we presented this golf ball and the data and the test data and the construction, and we said, hey, here's Pro V1 RCT. And we didn't have to list it separately on the USGA conforming list. It's listed as a logo product, no different than if a tour player puts their own personal logo on the ball and they have to just distinguish it. RCT, it's a Pro V1 and a Pro V1X. It's going to perform identical. And so much so, if you went out and played it and we didn't mark it, you'd have no idea other than the fact that your fitters, and I'd love your feedback on how it's going so far, your fitters are going to get accurate spin data every time an accurate spin data translates into distance it translates into carry it translates into peak height it does so many interesting things for us that deliver on precision performance precision fit yeah, absolutely no i mean that's what we saw and like we i think we did almost close to a six-month study with you guys you and Trackman, you know compiling data and we gave it to our best fitters out there and said hey do you think this is worth it is it going to be easier for you to not have to put the dots on there let's see how the data comes out and within the first week of using even prototypes at the time the fitters were coming back and going i'm not missing anything anymore i don't miss a swing i'm always getting it i don't have to take a data sample out like it's it's hitting every time by the way i've gotten feedback Back, that it feels just like the, you know, a Pro V or Pro V1X. And, you know, we're seeing the performance characteristics the same way. And so, and on top of it, you know, for people out there, if you've hit a lot indoors, golf balls get beat up fast. So there's always a durability thing we want to deal with as well. And so can you create this durable fitting ball that performs to your point, even out on the golf course, you can go play on the golf course. And I know that had to be challenging, but man, you guys hit a home run with it. And it's, it's really made our, our fitters lives and consumers, whether they knew it or not, better because they're not missing shots. We're not having to take as many swings. Well, and, and shout out to you guys. Uh, you mentioned it best. It was a year ago now that we were doing a test market to see if this was even viable. Uh, and you were nice enough to offer up some of your fitters, some of your stores to do it with us. And, and we appreciate it because that's our that's our process. We go out, we test, we test, we test again. Um, and honestly, it was interesting. That early feedback, once we did that test market a year ago, we came in and we actually changed the pattern. So RCT is a special ink, and then we print a unique pattern on the casing layer of Pro V1 and Pro V1X. That's how we guarantee that the TrackMan or the radar-based device is going to pick up on the spin data. And we actually changed the pattern based on the data that you all were able to provide us from that test market to make it even better. Um, and so we loved your feedback. We loved that everyone was picking up. And it actually got even better from a year ago to now because of that test market where we were able to change the pattern and really improve on the precision. Because we know your fitters want to do a precise job making recommendations. And we know the golfer needs to trust the results that are coming from that fitting recommendation. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, even for the people listening, I mean, this is great for fitting, but you know, there's probably plenty of people listening too. And the advent of COVID, you know, simulator companies have become ginormous and whether you're putting them in your house, or you're going to, you know, they're popping up in your neighborhood at, you know, the, the local uh, strip mall and you can go in and play golf. This is going to make, you know, people that have simulators, you know, that much more accurate, more fun, more realistic, if you will. I mean, I, I play simulator golf on track, man. I can tell you right now, having the RCT golf ball has made it more realistic because because you're not, it's one thing to miss it and delete it in a, in a fit. It's pretty easy to do when you're playing like an actual golf course on there and it misses a shot, a little harder to take the mulligan. So, uh, or your buddy might call you out on not taking the mulligan saying that's, that wasn't the simulator. That was you, but, uh, the RCT just make sure that, you know, you get a perfect reading every time. It's been awesome. Yeah. Simulator golf. I was blown away by how many folks have private simulators and, and, and private devices. Um, and, and we think this is a space that's just going to continue to grow. And, and we, we see, you know, folks like you, you're growing like crazy. You're doing cool things, delivering a high-end experience for golfers. We want to be a part of that. And, and then when golfers want to do it at home, they want to compete. Like you said, I think there's going to be growing leagues that come out of this. And look, as soon as leagues get involved, competition gets involved, golfers, they don't want to take a chance that it might not be accurate or precise. If they're going to compete, they want to know that everything's on the level and precise data allows that to happen. So the RCT is obviously incredible for us and our business model because we use TrackMan and it's great for all those people that are lucky enough to have that private simulator. <laughs> um, but can we just take a step back just a little bit more general and talk about, I guess, your personal opinion, but also kind of Titleist's opinion of golf balls in a fitting and how important that piece of equipment and technology is when you're dialing in um, a golfer's entire bag? Because obviously the golf ball is a big part of that. Yeah, it, it's a huge part of that. Uh, the golf ball is the only piece of equipment used for every shot you make on a golf course. That makes it instrumental in literally every stroke that goes on the scorecard. Um, and our our team out on tour, when they fit Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, whomever, they go through a pretty uh, rigorous process. And if you were starting from scratch, let's say you took a tour player and they said, look, I don't know what to play, start from nothing. We would fit them to their irons. We'd probably use a Pro V1 in that instance. We would fit them for their irons. Then we would make sure to fit their golf ball to their irons and their wedges. We'd fit to the scoring clubs. And we would do that to oversimplify it. We'd kind of look at flight, spin, and feel as the three primary structures to look at the right golf ball selection. And so Pro V1, Pro V1X, Pro V1X left dash, and AVX, they all offer unique flight, spin, feel components. So once we do the iron fitting, then you do the golf ball fitting, then we would close with the driver fitting. And the reason we do that in that order is drivers are so adjustable these days. You need to make sure that from the green back to the tee, you're getting completely dialed in and you close with the driver. And let's say, for example, you need spin green side and you need spin with your iron. So we put you into Pro V1X, which flies a little bit higher and has a little bit more spin. But then you get back on the tee and you find out with your current driver, your spin's a little too high. Well, we're not going to adjust the golf ball. We're going to trust your fitter in that instance. And we're going to change some settings on the driver and make sure that we can dial you into the right launch conditions to maximize your distance. You're going to look at the shaft and a Titleist TSI driver. You're going to look at the Surefit settings. You're going to look at loft. There's any number of levers you can pull, but you never want to compromise on that scoring performance because we know how adjustable a driver is. And so that full through the bag fitting so critical, we focus on green to tee. 
And, and I'd love to know kind of how you and your fitters go about that. If someone were to come in and start from scratch and see if those line up. No, absolutely. I think that's a, I think you just validated a lot of what I sometimes fight in the marketplace to a degree. Cause I agree. We, we use a, go, a golf ball is very important. And because just because we don't have this formal golf ball fitting, cause it is a difficult thing to fit for, but a, to your point, a driver can be molded to fit things. So, you know, I agree with you. We, we tell people, we're like, listen, you should pick a golf ball. We start with like 60 yards in. And so we're looking at, you know, how much spin we want, you know, do we want a little higher launching, lower launching spin rates? And then we back in from there. I, I totally agree with that. We're the same way. And we make recommendations based off that, because if you're fitting a, you know, a golf ball off a driver, it's, it's not really that, I mean, it's important, but you can mold that to your point. You can fit that. You can make that happen where hard to do, harder to do in the scoring clubs to your point. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm with you. And so what we'll do a lot of times in our fitting bays is based off what kind of shots we learn that the golfer likes to hit, what kind of spin rates, launch angles, their irons have that kind of thing. And in wedges, we'll start making recommendations for the style of golf ball they should be playing. You know, ultimately we tell them, you know, here's a, here's maybe one or two golf balls to go, go test, get a, get a dozen or a sleeve of each and go out there and play around. You know, I'll still say the best ball fittings I've ever had was at your facility in Oceanside where they have you hit different drivers, have you hit different irons and have you hit different wedge shots. And then they map what you're doing and you kind of, you know, filter down to a golf ball. Obviously, that's very hard to do for most people, but you can kind of do it on your own with a little guidance from a club fitter that understands your your uh, ballistics and your golf shots and kind of give you down and then you can go out and do it yourself. So that's kind of what we do. Yeah, that's the right way to go. We love that. We love every fit. You know, we, we'd love to see every fit end with a golf ball recommendation. You know, it, it's it's not much different. You look at an irons fit, you look at the data you're looking at, and your team's going to be so good at fine-tuning the scoring performance of those clubs. It's logical then to make sure that we are recommending a golf ball. And then the one key I'd recommend for every one of your listeners, every golfer out there, just play the same ball every time. There, there's nothing that's nuttier to me than the, the answer of, well, I just kind of play whatever's in my bag. Well, how do you know then your distances? How do you know your numbers? How do you know if it's going to check up on the green? There's so many variables in the game of golf. Find that level of consistency. And so I'd advise everyone, get fit for that golf ball and make that your foundation and then adjust off of there because that's one way to eliminate some inconsistency in your game that you might not even give enough recognition that's sitting there. Absolutely. Tell every person it's golf ball you use every time. It's a little harder to fit, but you know, we will give you kind of guidance and you got to go out and choose one. Don't, don't switch from it. So I love that. Consistency is key. Yep. Um, so Jeremy, we obviously talked about the RCT and some more general things, but is there anything new for 2022 or um, just kind of upcoming news that you can share with us about Titleist and golf ball news? Yeah, we've got some really big news. Uh, Titleist AVX, is coming to markets on February 4th. We're really excited about the new AVX. It really is the complement to Pro V1 and Pro V1X. So if you think about, I talked about that flight, spin, and field dynamic. Those are the structures. If you're thinking about which golf ball to play, you got to think about where to start. And we would always advise, hey, go play golf with some Pro V1 golf balls, and then you can fine tune from there. If you find yourself in need for a little bit higher flight, a little bit more spin, you go to Pro V1X. But if you find yourself needing a little lower flight and less spin, and by the way, there's some amazing distance that comes when you go with a low spin AVX. New Titleist AVX coming to market on Feb 4. Uh, an unbelievable product delivers in an incredible way as a great complementary piece to Pro V1 and Pro V1X. But go get fit. It's it's not for everybody, nor is any other one of the golf balls we make, but a properly fit golf ball. We'll take our chances that in the hands of a great fitter, 
you can get finely tuned in flight, spin, and feel and find the golf ball for you between Pro V1, Pro V1X, and AVX. And there's a new AVX now. Same great distance, same great feel, but a little bit better greenside spin on the new golf ball from a softer cover. I love it when our guests just yell, go get fit. <laughs> yeah, pretty awesome. That's amazing. Um, okay, so we're going we're gonna to switch a little bit. So Jeremy, Nick and I play this game on our podcast called Yay or Nay. And basically, I just run through a list of items or topics or things that are going on. And I, I ask Nick, yay or nay, are you into it or are you not into it? And we go through it. So we're actually going to loop you into this game this week. We have not done this yet between Nick and I, so I don't know his answers on these items either. Um, so let's let's start with neon golf balls. Yay or nay? Jeremy, you go for it. Yeah, anything that makes the game more fun. I'm a big yay because I <laughs> love neon golf balls. But I'll tell you this. I also love how much neon golf balls can piss off playing partners. <laughs> so, like, I like our, our my my partner, Joe, in the business, our chairman of the board, Joe Lee, he hates blue golf balls, hates them. Now, I also hate blue golf balls because they're impossible to find, but I will play them just to piss him off. <laughs> I exclusively play neon golf balls. I don't think I've ever played blue or green because I think that's weird, but I definitely play the like neon orange and the neon yellow. And my husband thinks I'm a crazy person. He's like, are you that blind? I'm like, no, it's just more fun. I think it's fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, three A's. <laughs> three A's. Uh, this one will probably not be unanimous. Uh, walking 18 holes. Yay or nay? Yay. Can I preface this that walking 18, <laughs> walking 18 holes with a caddy, big yay. That's how I like to play golf. Walking 18 holes and having to push or carry my bag, borderline. I mean, I'll do it if I have to, but I prefer it with a caddy, definite yay, borderline any other way. Hard nay. I am not playing <laughs> golf to work out. Ladies and gentlemen, I work out to work out hard nay. <laughs> I'll just say as a guy who has trouble keeping the golf ball between the navigational beacons off the tee, I'm for getting rid of all cart paths because when my ball hits a cart path and goes flying in the direction <laughs> I didn't intend it to, that's where I really struggle with it. That's why I'm pro walk. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think it's think fun to fair. walk. I mean, the hardest thing with walking sometimes is if you like also having a couple adult beverages, <laughs> it's harder to carry those and a cart allows for that. But in the, you can also get creative and call in airstrikes from the bar, you know, throw somebody a nice 10 or $20 bill and they'll bring you out, you know, something to the course. So you can get around it. Nick's got it all planned out. <laughs> all Air right. Strike. Item number three, golf shorts on tour. Yay or nay? Oh, no. silence. I, I, I'm going to say nay only because I think they've hit the right balance. You, you can you can wear them during practice rounds, but I kind of like the look during professional tournament rounds for them to be in the long pants. I'm a bit of a traditionalist in that regard. So I'm going to say nay. Yeah, I think I'm with you on this. Like, I, I don't mind like the hoodie part. Like, you know, they've kind of like whatever. We've had the, the tiger mock or whatever they call that that he wore and different things like that. I can get I can I can jive with it or yay. But the shorts part is a little bit too much for me during a tournament round. Like, I think I think I'm a nay on this one. I will continue my trend of being the odd woman out. I am a hard yay. I couldn't care less what they're wearing. I would like them to be comfortable so they can play the best golf. I don't care. Fair enough. Um, Hard to argue with that. Yeah. I'm also, I also wear yoga pants to a lot of my tea times. So I think I'm just in a different category anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. Item four, cold weather golf. Yay or nay? Well, you're a Boston boy, right? 
well, I just moved from San Diego to Boston. I have to say yay because <laughs> otherwise, what am I saying about my golf career going forward? I, just, yeah, I, I have say. to say yay. Uh, I, I got to make sure I'll give a shout out to my friends at FootJoy because I'm going to need to call them in the early spring, make sure I can truly make every day playable with some some serious warm weather gear. Uh, but if I'm going to make that move, I have to say yay. So, you know, I, as a Chicagoan, I have to say, yay, but I, you know, it's, it's funny. I put limitations on it now. So like I used to be, I would have been a yay, no matter what. Then I got to like 25 and I'm like, okay, it has to be 40 or above. Then I got to 30 or whatever. My early thirties, I'm like, it has to be 50 or above. I'm pretty much at this point. You need to be, I'm creeping towards 60 or above. Otherwise I ain't. (laughs) So it's not even cold. I'm like, yay, but it's, it's, I have to have, you know, a governor on it to a degree. Ugh, hard pass. You said you're a Chicagoan, so you have to say, yay, that's bullshit. I'm a Chicagoan and I say a hard pass. Like I am not interested in going out there and freezing. Like the closest I will get is I will go to top golf even when it's snowing, but they have the heated base. So I don't feel like I'm cold. I'm not standing out there for nine or 18 and freezing my ass off. I'm just not doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's just, it, it depends on your desire too. like, for me, if I get enough rounds in during the, the beautiful summers we have here, then I can kind of feel like, okay. And if I'm traveling a little bit, I, I don't need to go cold, but listen, there's sometimes where I'm dying to go play and it's a December day and it's 50 degrees or 45. And I'm like, sun's out, you know, it's not that bad. I'll bundle up and go. So I, I think the trick is less the temperature and more the wind. Because I would say the temperature can go lower if there's no wind, but I'm pretty soft if the wind is going to blow and it's going to be cold. I don't have that in me anymore. I yeah, I mean, you're in Boston, so you know, but I don't recommend coming to Chicago then in the wintertime. <laughs> it is well, Not for golf play. anyway. No, exactly. Uh, okay, so our last item, and I put this on here because I know where you're based, you're in the Needham area. So yay or nay on the Boston accent. Oh, yay. I mean, there's nothing better. My dad grew up in Boston, you know, watching a a Sox game with him and suddenly he slips back in and he's got he's dropping his R's and it's just fantastic. It just reminds me of home. Yay. Nick. Yeah. You know, well, so it's funny because I never really I'm terrible at picking up accents and like I probably have a terrible Midwest accent, but I do love a good like Boston Southie accent like that. It's there's something about it. I'm a fan of. So I'm a yay. I think I think I'm a yay for most of our regional accents, just like in the U.S. But Boston in particular is super interesting to me because I do have a Midwest accent. I'm sure the people who are listening to this, like our fitters that are countrywide are like, yeah, her A's are super weird. But that's kind of how I feel when I'm listening to a Boston accent like Boston. It just it's I think it's adorable and I love it. And I love hearing people talk like that. So it's a hard yay for me. Love it. You have it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta love everybody. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for spending time with us. We love having the RCT in stores. We love the fact that our fittings are even more data-driven and even more accurate than they already were. So, you know, thank you guys and thank Titleist for being such a great partner for Club Champion. Yeah, it goes both ways. We appreciate you greatly for the partnership across all of our categories. Um, and and lately for me being on the golf ball business, your partnership supporting us through the test market, being a huge early supporter of RCT now. Um, There's nothing we can't do without great partners who help us understand and validate the products. And you all have been great along the way. Thanks for having me to chat today. And we appreciate it. We look forward to many great fits in the future. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Fits with the Founder. Remember to rate, review and subscribe to support the show. And if you want more equipment content, follow Club Champion on Instagram.